Hello and welcome to a new episode of Tamer Talks Change. And I have a guest today joining me in today's episode talking about leading multi-generational teams. My guest is an executive and leadership coach working with individuals, teams, and organizations. She is a managing partner of Yonipa, a boutique coaching and organizational improvement company based in Vienna. She works with executives from startups to corporate to nonprofit international organizations worldwide. She's an entrepreneur and has created several companies throughout her 30 years career. She's passionate about leadership development and supporting leaders to find their authentic leadership style and voice. Please join me in welcoming Pari Namazi. Welcome, Perry. Thank you, Tommy. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. So um, today's topic uh, is quite uh, is quite interesting. Um, I believe in today's world, we not only have diverse backgrounds uh, in the in a, in, a, in the workforce, but also a multi generation uh, uh, scenario. So why don't we start with just your definition? of the multi-generation workforce? Okay. So, I mean, what's very special about what we're seeing now in our workforces is that um, we're actually, we actually have something like, um, if I'm not wrong, four different generations in the workplace. So we have, of course, our, our millennials, which are sort of between the age of 25 to 40. We have our Gen Xs, and I'm a Gen Xer, which is the 40 to 60. We still have some baby boomers, the 60 plus. I'm not there yet, but close. We have, and now, and now the new generation which is coming into the workforce is the Gen Z, which are under 25. And what's so beautiful about all of these is, um, I think what we're seeing, one of the trends definitely that we're seeing is how tech savvy the millennials and Gen Z are becoming. It, it feels so much as though um, the workplace is changing so much based on, it, it's not only being technologically savvy, but it's also what they expect from a workforce. And I, I love I love that new, the new sense that's emerging there. You know, the baby boomers, the Gen Xs, we, it was almost as though work was our life. Sad, but it was. Yes. I, I'm still a workaholic and I I uh I was talking to a you know I have now different health things and it's because I'm sitting all the time and and I was talking to a a health professional today and she was saying um you know you have to change your lifestyle I'm like yep I do and I say but I love what I do I just I can't you know I wake up in the morning and this is what I love doing um but Gen Z and millennials have a completely different balance there and I, I think that's so important. I, I learned from them and, and I have two daughters and my daughters are millennials. Um, yeah, they're both millennials. One's, one's close to Gen Z, but she's a millennial. <clears throat> and I just find it so fascinating how different their approach is. I'd, I'd love to add this little story, Tamir, because my, my daughter who is 25, um, so she's on the cusp of um, being a Gen Z, but she uh, got a, a very nice consulting job at the moment. 
and it's it's with one of the big uh, companies and she sort of told them you know i i i'm a hard working person and i love what i do and i work really well i i know i'm going to bring that to your company i work really well but i value my mental health and my well-being and i don't live to work and I thought, oh, my God, how can you go to an interview and say something like that? Are you? <sighs> Did no I, one in that, our generation what ever? <laughs> what, what? I didn't hear that. Sorry. Uh, said no one in our generation ever in a job interview before or, uh, you know, starting a job. It's it's not the first thing that comes to mind. And I, and I really don't think it's the that was the emphasis uh, for our generation. And when we when i when i heard or said working hard it means it meant really working without boundaries uh to the extent that it, yes it can affect the mental health of uh, of some people mm. uh, it just yeah. the Absolutely. definition of working hard even is different from generation to, to generation and what they pay attention to mental health and, and their own work-life balance I, I think it's completely different yeah and and uh, we have in in unepa in my company we have a a small team, we're seven people, and we are multi-generational. And I absolutely love that. We're a very diverse team and, and multi-generational. And we have um, Gen Z all the way up to Gen X working in our team. Uh, I just find it fascinating. Fascinating. I mean, the millennials um, and the Gen Z who we work with, the energy, the enthusiasm, the ideas, the creativity, obviously much much faster at all of these new uh, apps and uh, you know AI and virtual reality and all of these things and I love the the ideas that they're bringing us very very interesting but the the other side the I'm not going to say flip side but what I learn as well from them is the attention to their mental health and boundaries absolutely I'm fascinated by that I love the Something that you just said, which is, I like to learn from them. And let me stop there uh, for a minute. Because I remember the first time, the very first time, I had someone in my team who was older than me. And I remember having this conversation. Uh, and uh, probably the common thread is our our boss or our leader should always be older, should always be mm -hmm. wiser, should always know more than what we do which I had that view probably, you know, starting in, in the work in the workplace when I was like in my early 20s. But then bit by bit, I started working for people who are younger than me and leading people who are older than me. And, and this is when I realized that the learning journey never stops and it's not contingent on, a, on, a, on an age uh, range or, or, or an age limit. And, uh, and, Probably this is one of the things that makes leaders successful. It's kind of to be able to understand that and transmit it to their teams, especially in a multi-generation team, whether it's the relationship between the leader and the team or the relationship among the team member themselves. How do you see that perspective or notion of it's okay to have a younger leader, you know, uh, as your boss? And it's okay for the leader to learn from from their team that it's it's kind of a two way street. How do you see that? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, that's definitely what we're seeing. We're seeing more younger leaders coming forward. 
and um, they they bring a agility, perhaps a tenacity, uh, but it very much depends on the open. I, I think the, the key word here is an open mindset. If both parties, so if you have, for example, um, a Gen Xer, and then you have a boss, a leader who's a, say a millennium, um, how do they work together? I mean, for a lot of times, maybe what what we what we expect will happen if you have a a boss who's younger than you, and say you're also a leader, um, uh, ego is very important, right? So the the thought of, and I I love this. One of the consultants I work with, he was talking about what's good ego and what's bad ego. And I think good ego is where we are on the same page. And if I'm working with a leader who's younger than me, I if I have good ego, it's sort of thinking, yeah, I, I know my strengths. I know where I'm good. Um, but here's the bigger purpose. Here's the bigger, the greater cause. The greater cause is the company. So important. I bring my skills and my strength and I know my power and my boundaries, but I also know what the, the good of the company is what I'm working towards. I think bad ego is where we start creating those silos and we start fighting for attention and we we feel that we have not been heard and we're not valued and we're not recognized. And who is this young person who doesn't know how to talk to a client, doesn't know how to pitch, doesn't have the experience or the um, sometimes the charisma, sometimes the um, gravitas that that this older, more experienced person has. And it is down to experience, but a, an open mindset, I think allows us to, it's it's more of a give and take. Yeah. Both ways, I think also a, a leader who is younger and has to manage a team who is, you know, has older people in it, um, they also might feel uncomfortable initially. And it reminds me, one of the um, C-level executives I coached, this was a, an amazingly ambitious, talented young woman, I think in her, you know, 30s, late 30s, early 40s, and she inherited a team. The team were very diverse, so a few people her age, but quite a few of them were older men um, who came with not always good egos, a little bit of an attitude and, uh, you know, and I always find how interesting, how beautifully she navigated that and and maybe just giving some tips over there she was able to have conversation have conversations with with each of them and really highlight their strengths and their skills and in such a beautiful delicate way i remember some of the conversations she had was that what i learned from you is this and um so I've, I've been working with her and also her team for quite a few years. And right now, Tame, when I look at this, this team, the respect she gets for the mm -hmm. fights she fights, it's, it's just amazing. <clears throat> and the team, the way this team works together. But yeah. it did start with her humility. It started with her openness. And really going to them and saying, I learned from you. Um, tell me about this. And and somehow she created that space, that dialogue for this to, you know, to be created together. That's beautiful. I love it because I'm, I'm like as you're explaining this, and especially this this story about uh, 
about uh, your your coaching client. It reminded me of, so I totally agree on the ego part and the ability to learn part. And it doesn't go only for the leader, but also for the for everybody in the team, because there is always this notion, especially talking about diverse teams or with certain certain cultures, convinced or or being convinced that in a workforce you need to have a boss who's older than you and who knows more than you. And to me, it was always like there's absolutely no like it doesn't hurt my ego to say I don't know. Even more, I always found joy in asking people how they do things, even the ones that I know how to do, and like most probably I'm not going to change my way of doing it, but because I always believe that there is something new to learn. Maybe I will change how we do certain things, especially when it comes to whether uh, previous generations or later or younger generations, there's always something to add. So it was always about number one, let's put our ego aside. It's not about who's, who's higher in the hierarchy. It's about being a team and we need to leverage all the expertise and intellect and creativity that we can all bring to the table. And number two is we are defined, our our efficiency is defined by our ability to learn. It's not about what, what they say, which, which I found even upsetting is like old dog, new tricks. No, it's about we continue to learn the moment we stop learning, we stop growing. And obviously, in a world where everybody around us learns and grows, we shrink. Mm. And that's kind of the essence of it and something that I always appreciated working with with teams uh, who are multi-generation is the ability of everybody to learn mm. from everybody and the ability to say, I don't know, or how do you how do you do that? Or how do you like share with me your approach in doing this? And this is something that I always found very valuable in, in managing the multi-generation uh, team. So let me ask you this. How, in your view, do you tackle the point of or the, the situation of, um, you know, in certain cultures, people in different cultures who are not willing to accept or absorb that concept? Like age doesn't matter. Move or, or move away from the bias or the age bias because you're older or because you're younger. younger I'm not going to listen to you. How do you typically see that it's effective ways for leaders to kind of overcome this uh, this generational gap in 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 mindset and moving more to towards a success or a growth mindset. Mm. Um, before I answer that, you mentioned a point about the team coming together. I think one of the most important points is purpose. I think if a team can see, and that means the whole team, what is our purpose? Why do we exist? And understanding that are, as a team, we are stronger than our individual parts. I think that that's uh, that's where a team is is really a high value creating team, if they can see Definitely. that. Definitely. There, there's this, this lovely analogy where we talk about, you know, you look at a bicycle and the bicycle is made up of different parts, but it only functions if those parts come together that's when the wheels work and that's when you move forward. But if you just look at a saddle and you look at a, the, the wheel and you look at the bars and you look at the pedals, they're good for nothing. I mean, they're good for something, but you know, they only, the purpose is when the bike is full and whole. And so they, I think exactly. That, and, and they don't all have to be the same. That's actually the whole point. That yes, they need to be different. Diverse. and They need to bring different aspects and perspectives. I love the analogy. 
Yeah. The the other point about the bias and um the learning culture, it's so interesting. I, I work with teams who have a learning culture and they value that learning culture. But I also find that it is the leader, it is the CEO who creates that environment. I think I think creating that environment and creating time and making that a value in the organization is not something you pay lip service to. And I'll, I'll give you two examples of that. So two companies I work with, one is a startup, they're a tech startup and working with this team, amazing, amazing company, Tamir, amazing team there. They're all scientists. And they, these guys, every second word of them is about growth and learning and innovation. And they are learning, but it, it came from the CEO. It, the thread is there. When she learns and she encourages them to learn and she shares her learning and they have learning discussions, that's where you see it happen. You know, that that takes it forward. Beautiful. And then you have another company who says, learn. I want my company to have a growth mindset. I want you to learn. But that doesn't happen with any of the top management team. So what, what happens there is that if the if the teams are not seeing their leaders learn, they're thinking, okay, so why exactly should we learn, right? We're doing it for ourselves. Great, great, added value. What's a KPI? What's, and then what? How does this translate into something? So it, has, it hasn't turned into their own in, intrinsic motivation. A little bit it has, but not, not fully. So how do you really create that culture? And a lot of times you'll see the, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to stereotype or generalize over there, but a lot of times the Gen X, I, I will include myself, um, sometimes we think, you know, I, I've seen all of these, all these fads which have come and gone. And um, I just maybe don't have that energy there to learn something new. So how how do we keep ourselves relevant? And I love this term, which is called reverse mentoring. And I, I would encourage companies and leaders to have that because reverse mentoring is a give and take. It's saying, what do we learn from one another? Um, in some cultures, the older and you know, the older you are, the more experienced. So the white hair is seen as a benefit. You have more white hair, you're given more respect. In other cultures, more white hair is like, ah, over the hill, time to retire, and you know. Um but, but how do we appreciate that from one another? I think that's such an important dialogue. And I, I, I really encourage organizations to, um, to build on that, to create that space within their teams. Um, and I love that mentorship happens within an organization. And with reverse mentorship, I think there's that opportunity to bring a multi-generational workforce together to really learn from one another. Okay. I have too many comments to what you said. It's just, it's just beautiful and, and, and so to the point. Um, so it is definitely, I agree with you, it is the responsibility of the leadership or the management team or the top management to define the company's culture and to define this kind of uh, approach of learning. And we need to learn from each other. We need to overcome generational gap bias, for instance. And... Uh, I like first to to differentiate between things that come from the top just because they come from the top and everybody's got to do it. And I have, I've gone like in, in 25 years working for corporate, 
I've come, I've had, you know, a few incidents or a few situations where management would enforce training. Like you got to go to, to this training, you got to go to this website and you need to finish it before this and this date, which was to a very far extent perceived as uh, as a heavy duty. Like mm. I need in the middle of my my commitments and in, in, in the middle of my targets, my tough targets that you know that it's too tough for me to reach and I need to work day and night. And now I need to take time to do this, you know, course. And I believe that this because they, they, it was like enforced instead of championed. Mm. Like, I believe that there could be more effort done to explaining why are we doing what we're doing? Why do we want you to learn this? Why do we want this kind of engagement from everybody? Explain it as a culture. Explain it as the values of our company. It's something that we need to do together. Getting everybody on board, understanding that this will be time taken off you're you working on your targets and how can we how can we adjust that and how can we foster that because at the end of the day if we don't sharpen the saw we will come to a point where we cannot cut the tree anymore so this is this is the first thing and the second which is equally important is it is not it is the responsibility of the management to enforce that it is the responsibility of the leadership team to explain it and champion it in the organization but it is still the responsibility of everybody to be on board and to speak up and this is something that i've always wondered about like i, I was the kind of guy when i was you know the youngest in the team or the one among the youngest on the on, on the team who would speak up and, and try to understand like why are we doing this and or, or like if i spent a couple of days on this then i would probably miss this and that on terms of deadlines and whatnot and it was always frowned upon you shouldn't talk. You shouldn't question. And actually, you, sh you you can, and as many people are able to speak up and ask, the conversation will continue. The con conversation will go on, and it will bring people on board rather than divide them, and rather than just make it as a homework. It's your homework. Go ahead, you know, sit in a corner and 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 do it. So you're a good good boy and we give you a star and you know on your top of your page and you know mission accomplished which eventually in most cases i realized that just you do that training and you don't necessarily even learn much of it or are able to apply much of it so uh these are my kind of uh my uh my takes on on what you said which is which is uh, beautiful um i like to ask you about boundaries how how leaders can create these kind of boundaries, not only for them, but also for the team of respect, of learning, of exchange culture within a team to, to make sure that multi-generation can work together outside of the generation generation's gap bias. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Tommy. I mean, you, you started on this, um, the, the learning journey. And I, I just wanted to add um, to that comment where uh, definitely the learning space has changed. It's not only push factors where an organization pushes mandatory training, but it is pull factors where you give the individual the option, what do I need? What are the skills I need to develop? And, and the beauty is where an organization might be looking for professional development, but the individual is looking for personal development. And I think that that is our beautiful sweet spot. And I see that more and more happening in organizations. We have in, in UNEPA, you, you probably know, we have this 
um, leadership development platform called Raise Learning. And where we use that with our clients, it's a combination of push and pull. So a company will come and say, I need these learning journeys from my team because these are the skills, these are the business goals, this is what we want to develop. But each of them individually choose what they want to, to learn as well. And that I think that's where we have to be. We have to be at that spot. You're absolutely right. I've heard too many organizations, and I'm, I'm talking big organizations who invest a lot of money on training budgets. But if you're just going to push it without what's the what's the aim, what's work. the benefit, it won't work. And, and just coming to your second question of boundaries, what does a leader need to do? I think what's so important is psychological safety. It has to start with psychologically safe environments. And, and we, we use this term um, in, in part of my coaching, we use this term called deep democracy. And I, I think that's so beautiful, these words, deep democracy, because deep democracy means hearing all voice, voices. And a lot of times we don't hear that. So if I can create a psychologically safe environment as a leader, I, I give that space to hear all voices. That's the space I'm creating. That's the boundary, the container I'm holding. And in that, I think when once you have that voice, um, that that also, you know, that that also warrants it comes from a place of respect. It comes from openness. It comes from this dialogue of what do we both need. It comes from co-creation. And I think I think that for me is the most powerful thing. It doesn't happen overnight. But um, I think so much the leader has to walk the talk. Uh, you know, we, we again, deep democracy is hearing the marginalized voices. It's listening to those introverts. And I mean, look after the introverts in your team because we are always working and operating in an extrovert world where the loudest voice, you know, who talks most is always the loudest voice. But hear from the introverts in the team they have so much value. Um, they bring those out, and I think once you do, you you'll have such a richer dialogue, such a such a stronger team. And I think that's what um, a leader's role is really to create that. I couldn't agree more. It's the leading by example. I love the deep democracy uh, term. Mm. I, I might borrow it if you don't mind, uh, but I like it a lot. It's about leading leading by example. It's about walk the walk and talk the talk like uh if if you guys are doing it or doing this learning i'm doing it if we're setting this boundary then i'm i'm committed by those boundaries uh it's a two-way street what applies for me applies for you uh and that's eventually what creates the team at atmosphere it's not about setting the rules uh you know of engagement sort of say but it's about creating this culture and creating this safe space for people to talk because I realize it's not only the introverts who don't often share, but also sometimes extroverts from different cultures who don't like to share in a team, who don't like to be, who are afraid to be judged. And that's where this, the importance of creating a safe space for the team to share their opinions, to question, to ask for help, and mm -hmm. to offer help without Absolutely. the fear of being judged, without the fear of being uh, mocked uh, and and that's that is the responsibility of the leader not only to create it and keep it as a safe space but also to coach his or her team on on uh, on 
enabling everybody to hold the same space for each other. Barry, I loved our discussion. Do you have anything else to add or share uh, on the topic before we go? So much more. I think we can go on for hours, but uh, yeah. but this is lovely. <laughs> I enjoyed it very much too. Thank you. I, I love it. And you gave me already a couple of ideas for, uh, for, for our next episode. So uh, I'll be looking forward to that. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you very much, Barry. And uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you, Tamir. Best of luck. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to show your support and love for the podcast by subscribing to the YouTube channel or listen to it on any of the podcast platforms on Apple or Spotify. And even better, share it with someone who you believe will benefit of it.